0: I wonder whether you've ever had the experience of something that seemed to be going really well and then all of a sudden you discovered that it really wasn't. I remember being in third year engineering at Waterloo and I had to call the registrar's office at the university and when I told the receptionist my name, she got all excited and she said, oh, Michael Krause. She said, this is fantastic. We did not have a uh, current phone number for you. So Dr. Barbie had no way to get in touch with you. He's very interested in talking to you about your most recent work term report. Now, this most recent work term report was a piece of writing that I was extraordinarily proud of. It was 250 pages, including appendices and data and so on, about the work that I had been doing at an engineering firm on my last work term. And I kind of wondered, like, does he want to congratulate me on it? Does he want to maybe do more research or maybe publish something? Or So she said, can I put you through to Dr. Barbie? And I said, absolutely. And I waited and I was so excited. He picked up the phone and he said, Michael Krause. And I said, yes, that's me. And he said, it's Dr. Barbie talking. He said, I wonder whether you can answer a question for me about your most recent work term report. I said, fire away. And he said, could you please tell me what book you plagiarized this material from so that I can finish my report and have you expelled from the university? (laughs) One of those moments where you discovered that what you thought had gone really well uh, was not going as well as you thought it was. <laughs> I didn't have to tell you that story, though. I could have told you about our first pregnancy and how much Chris and I celebrated the fact that we were going to have a family only to subsequently lose the baby and spend much of the next year in frustration and counseling because of infertility. But I don't have to tell you that story because you have your own stories of things that started out so well and then just didn't finish as well as you had hoped. That routine checkup that became a terrifying diagnosis, the relationship that started out to be so life-giving and ended up being so heartbreaking. You have your own stories, and I have mine, of times when things didn't go as well as we hoped that they would. And the question is, where is God in the midst of all of that? And what does our faith do in those moments? That's what we're Looking at today as we turn to Exodus, the end of chapter 13 and chapter 14, I hope you pause to read it. But for the last two weeks, we've been looking at sort of the climactic moment of the Exodus narrative where God directly intervenes in the life of the nation of Israel and um, sets them free from slavery in Egypt. And they march out triumphantly as a free people, having plundered the Egyptians of their gold and silver and valuables only to immediately discover that things were not going to go as they might have anticipated they would go. In Exodus 13, verse 17, it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God didn't lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, even though that was the shorter route to the promised land. God thought if the people have to fight and face war, they will run back to Egypt. So God led the people by the roundabout way of the Reed Sea Desert. Here it is, the Israelites being led by Moses and God. In The the text says in the form of a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, which was God's continuing presence, visible presence among the people. They were being led out of slavery to Egypt, but immediately not in the way they thought they would go. If you were going by foot from Egypt to Israel on the eastern shore of the Mediterranean, you would just pass through the Gaza Strip and go north towards the land of Israel, which is where God was leading the Israelites. But that's not where God led the Israelites. He took them in a different direction into the Reed Sea Desert in a roundabout circuitous Root and then things got worse. It says in Exodus 14, then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back actually and set up camp by the sea. Just when Israel was confused because they were heading into the desert in the wrong direction, God says to Moses, no, 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 turn around and, and you got to go back the way you came from. And suddenly Moses is telling everybody, he's like somebody who refuses to pause and ask for directions. He's sending everybody back the way they came. And then they, all of a sudden Moses is saying, set up camp on the shore of the Reed Sea. And now they can't go anywhere because there's this huge body of water in front of them. And and nobody can figure out why they are taking the pathway that they're taking, and then things get worse. It says in verse 5, when Egypt's king was told that the people had run away, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people. The Egyptians, including all of Pharaoh's horse-drawn chariots, his cavalry, and his army, chased them and caught up with them as they were camped by the sea. As Israel camps on the shore of this body of water, someone looks behind them and they see in the distance this cloud of dust as Pharaoh's entire army, including the most advanced military technology available on the planet at the time, were closing in on them fast and setting up camp behind them so that quite literally (laughs) for Israel, all of a sudden they Having marched out of Egypt in freedom, find themselves trapped between the devil and the deep blue sea with nowhere to go. I wonder whether you have had experiences that leave you feeling almost that same way. Something that, that starts out so well, ends so badly. A relationship or a marriage or family relationships that just gave you life are now all of a sudden in the tank. Your job, your career, which started out so promisingly, has now completely stalled. Or that time you decided you were absolutely going to do the right thing, no matter what it cost. And then it ended up costing you enormously. And you wonder, why did I bother? Maybe some of you have felt what it feels like to to feel your life going in circles or your life meandering aimlessly and apparently going nowhere. Maybe for some in their dating life and for others in their financial life or in their family life, in their fertility attempts, in their education. You just wonder where is all of this going because it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Maybe for some of you, you know what it feels to be caught between the devil and the deep blue sea, to be be between a rock and a hard place with two bad choices and no positive outcomes. And maybe in that exact moment, you did what the Israelites did in chapter 14, verse 10. It says, as Pharaoh drew closer, the Israelites looked back and they saw the Egyptians marching toward them the Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord. It's an interesting phrase, they cried out to the Lord. It's exactly the same phrase that gets used 11 chapters earlier to describe them crying out because of the pain and injustice and oppression of slavery. They marched to freedom and new life out of Egypt, set free by God from slavery, only to find themselves experiencing exactly the same depth and breadth of pain as they did before, to the point that some of them were starting to say, you know what, we should just go back. Why don't we give up on this moment? Maybe some of you have felt that. Why don't I just give up on this relationship? Why don't I just give up on this opportunity? Why don't I just give up on my dreams? Why don't I just give up on faith or give up on life? Because the hope that I had is gone, and the pain I thought I was leaving behind is every bit as real as it was today. As Stephen King writes in The Shawshank Redemption, hope is a dangerous thing, it can drive a man insane. What do you do in that moment when hope seems to be gone and the pain seems to be real and there's nowhere else to turn and you have no idea what you can do? Where is God in that moment and what do you do? Well, as you read the story in Exodus, what you discover for the Israelites is that God was very present to them in that moment. God, as much as everything seemed Hopeless, as much as everything felt like it was turning sour, as much as their pathway felt aimless, as much as it seemed like they had no good options, God was right there in the midst. It says that pillar of cloud and fire lifted from the front of the camp and moved overhead. To behind Israel, separating Israel from Egypt, becoming a pillar of cloud towards the Egyptians, plunging them into the darkness of night and becoming a pillar of fire towards Israel who basked in the glow of God's presence. And in the light of God's presence, they could see Moses at the front, raising his hand with the staff of God and holding it over the water. And they could feel this east wind begin to blow and the water before their eyes parted in front of them and opened up a pathway of dry ground in in front of them. Moses beckoned them forward and all of Israel filed along that pathway of dry ground right through the heart of the sea to the other side led by that pillar of cloud and fire. When, when the Egyptians saw the Israelites marching through the Reed Sea in front of them, they chased Israel down onto that dry path. But God um, threw their whole camp into confusion. There was chariot malfunction everywhere in Israel as they landed safely on the other side. Moses turned and raised the staff of God again, and the waters collapsed. And it says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 28, The waters returned and covered the chariots and the cavalry, Pharaoh's entire army that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. The Israelites, however, walked on dry ground through the sea. The waters formed a wall for them on their right hand and on their left. In the moment where everything felt lost, where hope seemed gone, where they were trapped between the devil and the deep blue sea, that was the moment that God showed up and invited them to trust him one more time. The language that gets used about what God does in this moment in the story, regardless of what actually happened in history, which we can never know, the language that gets used to tell the story is startling to me because it is the language from the Genesis creation story used all over again, where in Genesis chapter 1, it says that God's spirit, the Ruach, Of God hovered over the waters. In Exodus chapter 14, it said an east wind, a ruach, blew, and parted the sea in front of them. Same word. In Genesis chapter 1, it says that God separated the light from the darkness. In Exodus chapter 14, God plunges the Egyptians into darkness and guides the Israelites with the light. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, the waters gathered and revealed the dry ground where life would flourish. In Exodus 14, it says, the waters parted and revealed the dry ground, which was the pathway to a flourishing life. God, the writer is saying, God was recreating the Israelites' life, the Israelites' identity. God was doing a work of new creation, of giving them new life, of setting them free from the forces of sin and evil and oppression all over again to invite them into a life of love and worship and service to God in the freedom of the new life that God was providing. And friends, I'm here to say that this is what God wants to do for us regardless of our circumstances. In the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul compares what happened to them at the Reed Sea with our own lives as those who follow Jesus. He says this, brothers and sisters and children, I want you to be sure of the fact that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they all went through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud And in the sea, the apostle Paul says, friends, they were just like us and we are just like them. They were led by Moses through the sea, uh, through the waters of the sea, under the cover of the cloud of the presence of God. And in exactly the same way, we have been led by Jesus through the waters of baptism and covered by the cloud of the presence of God in the Holy Spirit. Just as they were led to freedom from the forces of slavery and evil and oppression and injustice and death. So God has set us free through Jesus by the spirit from sin and evil and oppression and injustice and death. And has invited us into the freedom of a new life. God will rescue us just like God rescued them. Now. What I'm not saying is that God always promises to take our circumstances away. Israel passes through the Red Sea, but we will see in the weeks where we investigate Exodus after Easter that they are led through the Red Sea, but into the wilderness where there is no food, no drink, where there are enemies and even confusion in the camp. No, no, no. The circumstances... Don't always go away, but God will always show us that God is with us and through us And in us, in every circumstance we encounter, that God is faithful and can be trusted to give us the light and the life and the abundance and joy of that new life in Jesus, regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. That's Paul's point in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says, no temptation or testing. It's the same word. No testing has seized you that isn't common for people. But God is faithful. God won't allow you to be tested beyond your abilities. Instead, with the temptation, God will also supply a way out so that you will be able to endure it. The Apostle Paul says, no matter what you're going through, no matter how heavy or hard the testing, no matter how much pressure, no no matter how much life is putting the screws to you in your current moment, God is faithful. God can be trusted to show you a pathway through it. Not so that he can take it away, but so that you can endure in the light and the life and the abundance and joy of the freedom of the new life that Jesus provides. Now, that doesn't mean that God will do it all for us. It's interesting in the story when the Israelites see the Egyptians, they cry out to Moses and Moses' response to them is, okay, be quiet, shut up, watch what God will do. And then God rebukes Moses and says, what do you mean? Watch what God will do. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to lift up the staff and hold it over the waters. And here's what I need the Israelites to do. I need them to follow your command to enter into the sea and to cross through on the dry land. But if you will do what you will are faithful to do, then I will do what I am faithful to do. And we will experience the new life of this together. See, sometimes God doesn't take the circumstances away, but God promises that we can endure them if we partner with God and do our part to be faithful, to listen to the voice of God in the scriptures, the voice of God in prayer, the voice of God in the spirit, the voice of God as interpreted to us by our community, to listen to what God is calling us to do in the moment. Your relationship is painful and hard. Lean into God and go to counseling. Your mental health challenges are a struggle. Cry out to God for healing and take your meds. Your addiction or the the struggle with that sin is overwhelming. Um, Lean into faithfulness and go to recovery. But God is inviting us to be faithful to follow God's voice in every circumstance. And if we do, God promises to be faithful to us. To show us the way through so that we can endure everything. And still experience the light and the life, the abundance and the joy of the freedom of the new life that God provides, regardless of our circumstances. Today, instead of closing in prayer, I want us to sing a song together that will be our prayer. If you are going through circumstances, whether or not they are the result of bad choices that you've made, whatever your circumstances are, I pray that this song becomes your prayer, your opportunity to come to God and say, Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Pray this prayer to God. If you're not going through anything, excuse me, right now, Praise God for that. And as we sing, pray for someone who you know who is. But let this song be our prayer. Let this song be our confession. That no matter what we are facing in life, it is God that we need to be faithful to show us the way through.